This is Texas Soccer Radio. My name is Kyle Makey. His name is Larry Leathers. Together, we're going to bring you all this week's news on everything soccer across North America, across Texas, across, uh, you know, pretty much wherever we want. Actually, a little bit of tournament action in here, a little bit of anything. But, Larry, how are you doing tonight, man? Uh, this mountain cedar kicking your butt like it's kicking mine? Yeah, it's it's killing me over here, and I just got to say, it is January 11th, 10 o'clock, and The Last Jedi still sucks. <sighs> this guy, I don't even have the pull-up in front of me, but I know, I know that the people were on my side of it being a good movie and not a bad movie. Horrible movie. <sighs> Jumanji, not a horrible movie. Star Wars, horrible movie. I'm down to see Jumanji, but you know what's funny? Like, I, I actually haven't even told you this, Larry, but like 10 minutes ago, my sister texted our family group chat saying that she ran into Mark Hamill in the grocery store. She lives in L.A. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right? Like, what are the chances of that? And she was freaking out. And I think that's one celebrity that if I ever ran into him in person, I don't know that I would have words. Like, I don't really get starstruck very much. I, I've met most of the Spurs and, you know, a lot of different people. Um, but I think if I met Mark Hamill, it would just be total babble, like not even words. Well, at least, you know, he seems like he's a super chill dude and he's super cool about everything. So he would probably understand your babble because he's used to listening to <laughs> languages from far off universes. Very true. Very, very true. Um, I'm excited this weekend in San Antonio, a little... Um, non-soccer related festivities with PAX South coming to town. Get get our nerd on a little bit. Are you excited yeah. for PAX? Yeah, if you guys want to come and find me down there, I will be at PAX South on Friday and probably Saturday as well. So come hunt me down at the convention center. It'll be a good time. And I will not be at the convention center, but I'll be there Friday night and having fun in the Pearl and seeing all my video game friends pretty excited about that um and celebrating a friend's birthday that's yeah I, i'm excited for this weekend it's gonna be a good time um i'm after that gonna go burn down all of the cedar that i can find so that i never have to suffer through this again but um two notes before we dive into the soccer um i have been talking to a couple of people that i know listen to the show um about starting a podcast and they want to start a podcast and Highly, highly recommend doing that. Um, and, you know, if anyone needs help, my DMs are open. I'm, I'm always up to helping as best I can. Um, I'm pretty limited on the PC side of things. But uh, my point being, I've used a lot of different podcast platforms. And right now, we use Podient for Texas Soccer Radio. And I fucking love it, man. Like, I, honest to God, it's the, the most user-friendly and, and best stats and everything for the price. Um, and so if you start a podcast and go to podient.co slash sign up, uh, you can enter our promo code Texas, which is uh, all lowercase, and that'll get you, I think it's 25% off for the first three months. You get a discount for the first three months. So if you're looking to start a podcast, highly recommend Podient, and we have a promo code that you can use, which is just Texas, all in lowercase. So Podium.co. Nice. Um, yeah, fun stuff. If you go to texassoccerradio.com, that's actually a Podium site. It, it pulls you into the Podium site. So fun fact for you there. That's, <laughs> I want to say that's not an advertisement. It kind of is an advertisement because we do get um, some help if you use our promo code, just full disclosure. But 
uh, yeah, I, I want to help people out too now that we have a promo code. Hashtag Second ad. piece of business. Yeah. Yeah, hashtag ad. This one is not an ad. This is 100% not an ad. I, um, in the top banner of our show, it says uh, local brews and soccer news, I believe. So starting off the local brews tonight with a free tail conserveza. Um, pretty stoked about that. Um, it's a partnership with the San Antonio Zoo. So get to help some animals while I drink some tasty beer, hopefully. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. You have to tell me how it is. There we go. Now on to the soccer. Um, biggest signing of the year, I would say. Um, were, were you shocked by the Alex Bruce signing that we were all talking about all week? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm shocked because I have absolutely no clue who the kid is. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I re- what I what I've read about him is all I know. I haven't seen him. You might have a little bit more experience with him because apparently he was training with SAFC yeah. um, in the last season. So you know you were going to practices and things like that. So maybe you you have some insight on him. <laughs> so I'm being a little facetious for anyone who wasn't on Twitter this week or was under the rock this week. Um, SAFC made two signings, Alex Bruce, a forward, and Jose Escalante, uh, a very notable midfielder that we've seen uh, playing with RGV for the last two years. Um, talking about Alex before you get into Jose, because I know Jose is going to be a long um, Alex Bruce was with the practice squad, quote-unquote, uh, kind of guys that come in and train with the senior team um, and are not actually part of the senior team. So I've never seen him in a game or anything, but he's a young athletic player uh, and, you know, they kept him around and gave him a senior team contract this year. So that bodes well for him. It bodes well for his potential. I don't expect him to be starting right off the bat, um, especially with Ever and Mike Seth and some of the other guys ahead of him. Uh, in that forward role, but um, could be an exciting young prospect for the future. So, and, you know, it's always good to see guys who are coming in and doing the practice squad gig um, end up getting a contract. We saw that with Diego Garcia back in 2016. um, And now we're seeing it with Alex Bruce. So that's cool. Uh, He kind of looks like Harry Kane a little bit. So the the Spurs fan in me (laughs) likes that, but uh, yeah, that's, that's Alex Bruce. Bruce in a nutshell looks kind of like Harry Kane and I don't know much about him well he's he's supposed to be a goal scorer right I mean it it, I was doing some light reading and he was he was coming off of winning his academy championship and yeah uh, put up I think they said 15 goals in the season last year so yeah he absolutely is yeah, absolutely a goal scorer and you know, has a lot of potential to make an impact with this team given the right circumstances. Um, I just think it's going to be hard to earn playtime over Guzman and Seth and some of the other guys, but absolutely possible. I mean, we saw in 2016, Victor Araujo had a phenomenal first professional year. Um, Miggy Salazar, too, in a, a different role as more of a defensive midfielder, but um, we've seen young players contribute really well to this team um, in this system that Darren Powell has. So, um, you know, I'm saying that we're probably not going to see him much, but I could absolutely be proven wrong on that. You never know. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's obviously done enough to prove himself to get a contract. So Darren's done well recruiting so far. So means something. Yeah. He's got something there. So shall we talk about Jose? 
I, I don't <laughs> want to, but we, we, we should. I don't want to, but we should. Are we still a little salty from last year? I'm very salty from last year. I don't know if you're quite as salty as I am, but I don't call him anything other than Jose fucking Escalante. I mean, it's, oh, that's, fired. that's his name to me. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that. Um, I, I completely understand where you're coming from on that. This guy has been a thorn in San Antonio FC's side for the last two years. Um, and if you go to 210soccer.com, you can see two instances where um, Jose Escalante was involved in some pretty wild plays. Uh, in one, he got kicked in the head by Ben Noonan after uh, Escalante scored a beautiful goal over Restrepo. I, I would love to, to get in the room with those guys if they ever discuss that. But um, and then the next time they saw each other, Escalante kicked Gordon in the back or appeared to kick Gordon in the back, uh, earning him a red card, meaning he's actually going to be suspended for the first match of the USL season. Perfect. At least. Um, all of that being said, one of the discussions that I've had consistently with um, different members of the SAFC staff and SSNE staff is that character means everything and that they have interviewed players that they were interested in and that they thought would perform well on the field and not ended up signing them because of character concerns. Um, so the fact that Escalante is coming in, even though it's alone, he is coming in on a loan officially. Um, that makes me think that they know him better than just those passionate plays and that you know, everybody has their moments on the field where they snap occasionally, and maybe that's just what it was. And um, we have an interview with Carson Merck, I should have said at the top of the show. Goodness, preseason form here. Um, Carson Merck covers RGV. He uh, now lives in Las Vegas, so we talk a little bit about Jose Escalante. We talk a little bit about Las Vegas Lights FC. We'll play that interview a little later in the show. Um, but one of the things he says is that, you know, he, he doesn't think he's a dirty player or anything like that. And I tend to believe that just he's a dirty player. Let's, let's be very clear. He's a dirty player, but but see, the thing is, is now he's our dirty player. So at least it's going to be a little bit more entertaining for us, but yeah, no. Yeah. I I don't think, I don't think him being on our team is going to change what I say when I, when he's on the field and he does something, it's going to be surprise, surprise, Jose fucking Escalante again. (laughs) What if he comes out and he has like a Billy Forbes esque start to the season where he's just, you know, lighting up the league and and wins player of the month in the first month, despite missing a game. Then I'm going to be saying that an awful lot, but it's going to be (laughs) not against us. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, he's he is a good player. Uh, I think he makes some questionable questionable decisions on the field in regards to card situations and things like that, and choices he's <laughs> making that way. But um, he's going to fill a hole up front, and he could be a great pairing across from Gordon. Um, if we re-sign Gordon, we still don't have any official word yeah. on that. We're still working on the Instagram posts and the Twitter right. posts and things like that the rumors that Gordon will be back with the team. Uh, but that could be a pretty dangerous pairing between those two with Guzman and Elizondo up front. Um, they could definitely get the job done. Yeah, fully agree. I, 
I know this is going to make me sound like a salty ex, but I genuinely think that he might actually be an upgrade from Billy Forbes. And I know that's like such a Homer thing to say, but watching him play last year, he, for better or worse, like we talked about, he gives a shit 100%. And he's always engaged or seems to always be engaged. Um, So when you have a player like Billy, where he's more attacking minded and, you know, there were times it's just a fact that Billy was walking on defense and wasn't bothering to get back or too tired to get back or, you know, whatever it was, I'm not going to try and read his mind, but the fact was he wasn't playing defense a a lot. (laughs) And uh, Escalante may not be the best defender, but he'll at least be able to be a body to get back if Cochran pulls forward, um, which we know he can do. That's part of why you re-sign Greg Cochran is because he's so versatile. So I, I think it's great, great signing uh, or a great loan opportunity. So I'm really excited. It's weird. It's weird as fuck. I'm going to be honest, yeah, but I'm excited. There's no way around that. It's definitely strange to – it's going to be strange to see him in an SAFC jersey. Um, but you're right. He could definitely be a big upgrade from Billy Forbes. Um, he's clearly got a touch when it comes to taking shots on goal. We've seen it on our field here in, at Toyota Field um, against SAFC. He's definitely capable as a goal scorer. Um, and I don't know that you can play much worse defense than Billy did. Like you said – Walking, not paying attention, just kind of watching from the back and waiting for the ball to come up his way. Um, Billy tended to do that a lot, especially towards the end of last season. Uh, So if Escalante goes out there and gives a shit and is making an effort, that's a step up right there on the defensive side. And I said it on Twitter this week. uh, There's lots of different ways to play defense. And throwing yourself on the ground and doing your best possum impression, sometimes that's the way to do it. Yeah, we know he can do that. I mean, this guy is a solid soccer player. He's clearly done some work in the theater industry Um, as an actor. He's got that down. So, you know, he's our guy now, though. He is our guy. He's ours. He's ours. (laughs) Like, I brought it up in that article, too. It's not like San Antonio has been innocent in that regard. either. I know. Um, I know. As much as I respect him and have enjoyed chatting with him, um, there's a very fantastic gif of Diego Restrepo just laying down at one point. <laughs> and, uh, you know, which, by the way, I, I mentioned something on Twitter. I really want to elaborate on it at some point in writing. But there was a time where I thought uh, Diego was time-wasting or trying to draw the foul or whatever. Um, and it turned out it was actually a pretty graphic injury that he played through. So I, I really want to get some quotes on that and, and get the actual story out there now that it's been a little while. But um, yeah, anyway, my point being, you know, Ben Noonan kicked him in the head and I don't think Ben Noonan was a bad guy. So like I, I'm, I'm welcoming Jose with open arms with a clean slate uh, and trying to only judge him on what he does in 2018 can we let ben and him like duke it out for a halftime show one day man like let's let let them settle their differences in front of the crowd it'll it'll work out well for everybody you know we moved um on our roster projections we moved um ben noonham victor arhujo and michael reed to the 
uh, not expected to return column this week. And I think the the action that we saw earlier this week may have proven that to be a good move because um, hard to see Noonan playing with Escalante. Well, it's hard to see Gordon playing with Escalante, but we're pretty sure that that's happening. So. Yeah. Anyway, that that horrible transition was my way of saying that Michael Reed was transferred out to Nashville Soccer Club. Um, captain I, jump ship, right? Like, I mean, that's it's a a lot of experience and leadership to see walk out of the club, and it makes the Rafa signing that much more important because we're going to yeah. need that leadership on the field now even more. Um, I think it also puts a priority on us re- re-signing Ibiaga. And we haven't seen that one yet either. We're still waiting around to hear what happens with that. But now that we're creeping closer to MLS starting up, uh, maybe we'll get some answers in that regard. But yeah, no, it's Reed. I don't know. I, I get it. And I'm happy for him, especially if he thinks it's a move in the positive direction towards MLS. Um, obviously, you know, Nashville's getting an MLS team. We know that for sure. And he's going to be going to their USL side to begin with, but you've got to expect that's part of their plan for the future with potentially giving him an audition now on their USL squad. They targeted him. They came out and said it. They targeted Michael Reed. They targeted him. They picked him out of the crowd and they wanted him on their team and on their squad. So I'm guessing it's for MLS down the road. It could be. Um, I know he has some connections out there with some of the players. He's played with them previously, and I believe he knows the head coach, if not played for him before. Played for Um, him before. Yeah. So for the one year, it it makes a lot of sense. It makes perfect sense for USL. For MLS, um, it'll be interesting. I, I haven't seen him do anything with SAFC that makes me go, oh yeah, he should be, you know, on the MLS level. Um, but if he comes out and just tears it up with Nashville's USL side, like that's an easy path to an MLS contract. And how are you going to turn that down? So it's hard to, hard to hate on Reed wanting to leave uh, to play with guys he's known and to take his shot at MLS um, just like it was, it's hard to blame Forbes for going to Phoenix and playing with Drogba, you know, yeah. same with Vega, but, um, it, it's weird. It's weird getting fewer and fewer of these inaugural season players on the roster still. I mean, it's the nature of USL. There's so much turnover players move around so much either up or down or, you know, to another USL squad. And, you know, honestly, I don't even know if that the Michael Reed signing to Nashville is for his on-field playing abilities. I think it may be for exactly what we're using him for from a leadership standpoint. Um, He's got a lot of experience, and depending on who they bring in for that squad, they they may need that. And it's a familiar face with the coach and with several other players. Obviously, there's got to be some level of trust there. And that, that could really be the role is to, to play captain or play a leader in the team and, and help get their, their locker room together. Yeah, definitely could. From the San Antonio side of it, out of the signings that we've seen so far, I would guess that Rafa or Greg Cochran, um, maybe Cyprian Hedrick or Diego would get the captain's armband. Um, Obviously, if he comes back, Ibiaga has worn it before, so you'd expect right. him to get that. But 
I don't think we're going to hear anything about Ibiaga until towards the end of the MLS preseason, if I had to guess. I'm sure he's getting looks from MLS clubs right now. Um, it's just going to come down to if he wants that consistent role and to be the guy in a USL side or if he wants to shoot a shot and try and make it an MLS again. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Time will tell on that one. Yeah. I definitely don't expect him to go to another USL club, though. I think that's one guy that if he's available at the USL level, San Antonio would get him, do everything that they could to get him back, you know. I mean, we've uh, talked about it before with Ibiaga's connection to Texas and Houston and family yeah. here. So, yeah, it makes sense that he'd stay here unless he can get that call up to to the MLS squad side. Yeah, there's something to be said about, you know, players from Houston or Dallas or Austin, their families can come watch them play at San Antonio FC pretty easily. So um, that's that's kind of a built-in advantage there. But if, even if he doesn't come back, honestly, with Hedrick and McCarthy, that's a really solid center back pairing. So obviously you want some depth there, but it's a good start with those two. McCarthy's another name I would throw in the hat for for a captain's captain's armband, but yeah. I think probably you're on the money with Cochran. I think Cochran could definitely wear it, um, share it with Ibiaga. I mean, he's the Iron Man. That's right, so, all time minutes leader. So he's on the field all the time. Give him the band. Man, crazy. So anything else SAFC before we move on to some broader topics here? Well, I know you're not. I, I, I've got to mention it. I know you're not a season ticket holder, um, but this week sure. we did get the first season ticket member email out for this upcoming season um, and the first season ticket member event. So they've actually, they did, the, they did one of these last year, um, but they're doing a night out at, the, at a Rampage hockey game. So oh, nice. A ticket for every season ticket you have. So you can come out there and they're also opening up the rink to go skate on before with some of the hockey players. <sighs> I've always wanted to do that. Super yeah, so I guess it's like 4 <laughs> o'clock or 5 o'clock. They, they're opening up the rink so that you can come down and skate, provide skates and everything. And then games at 7 o'clock. I think it's coming up here in two weeks, something like that, 10 days. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, that'll be awesome. Yeah, I, I'm not a season ticket member. I'm, I'm bummed like that. I'm still using my media credentials to watch the games from the bird's nest up there. But, you know. That's that's my seat. <laughs> I don't blame you for it. Use it if you got it. Oh, there was one more piece of SAFC news that I meant to cover. Um, track jacket Palooza. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> um, so our our friends in Two Ten Alliance and a lot of supporters around the community have been clamoring for track jackets. Um, Soccer Factory came out with a soft shell jacket initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were complaints that that wasn't a track jacket. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't know the difference. Um, I, I don't get the obsession with track jackets personally, but that's just me. <laughs> so I, I have, I guess it's a soft shell jacket. I have one from the place that I used to work that I still wear all the time. And I guess that's a soft shell one. But um, anyway, after the complaints rolled in about that, they said Soccer Factory is going to sell for a limited time online, uh, SAFC track jackets, you have to order them online and it's only available for a limited time. Those One go week. live Friday morning. So if yep. you're listening to this, hop on if you want to grab one of those jackets. Um, they're, they're fairly priced too. I think they said 65 bucks, which isn't bad. 
there's a lot of track jackets out there for other teams and stuff that are, you know, pushing the hundred dollar mark. So they're, they're giving quite a deal. Now my push is I, I want better hats, but that's just me. I'm a hat guy. <laughs> I can't stand those damn Nike hats they have now. I know it's who we're contracted to. I'm assuming, um, with our Nike jerseys and everything else, but yeah. damn, if we could get some like new era flex fits, please, <laughs> I need them. I, I need wonder, them. Do they sell the badge like just as a patch? Cause I wonder if you could take that patch and just throw it on stuff. I know that that wouldn't be kosher with soccer factory, but you know, well, even then if I could get, I might be able, if I got a high res version of the logo, Take it to one of those custom hat places. And Are we get getting into the off. black market merchandise business right here? We <laughs> probably talk about that not live. <laughs> um, no, but if you want a track jacket, they're they're going to be available. So go get them. Um, that's it for SAFC, I think, this week. Um, let's chat about USL. The ever-expanding USL has uh, taken in some NASL refugees with Indy 11 joining yeah. for 2018 which is pretty cool um what do you think about the idea i know it hasn't been confirmed yet they're still trying to work out the details last i looked but there's chatter that indy 11 would actually be playing their home games at lucas oil stadium the nfl stadium of the indianapolis colts what do you think about that it's better than a baseball stadium <laughs> <laughs> i take it i mean if they can get the get it get it done and it doesn't interfere with the football season, uh, I hope, I'm assuming they'd just be playing it with, you know, all the branding and badging and everything for yeah, for uh, the Colts on, up all the time. But, yeah, no, I mean, that'd be a hell of a venue to play in. And if they could, I don't know, if they could start pulling Cincy-sized crowds in that stadium, that'd be awesome. That would be pretty crazy. Um, knowing that Indy 11 has been around for a while, I don't expect that unless they make some huge marketing push in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> but um, I think having the games in, in Lucas oil is pretty cool. It's one of the cooler stadiums in the NFL. And obviously it won't look great from a TV standpoint, unless they draw a absurdly unexpected crowd, but um, you know, it, it's a cool venue and it should be interesting. It should just be have to be creative. Yeah, you'd have to be creative with the camera angles, and I'm assuming they, yeah, just make sure your camera angles don't show the upper decks at all. <laughs> right. They can fill the lower decks, or at least partially fill them. You think they can get the cool. sky cam going, like at Ooh, the NFL games? That'd be really cool. I don't know what the the cost is on that. That would be awesome to have sky cam for the soccer for, game, for a fucking USL game. <laughs> like they have it for national team games, but like. Yeah, here's Indy 11 versus Cincinnati in your Skycam view. Well, I mean, they do Skycam cool. stuff for, for NHL games. Like, it'd be really cool for a soccer game. You have it the That'd be awesome. Before. All I can think of is, shoot, I can't remember. Was it the Trinidad and Tobago game where the Skycam – no, it was at home, wasn't it? There was a, a yeah. U.S. men's national team game where the Skycam fell and they were doing a corner kick and the string was like all... Like at eye level? Yeah, yeah. ready to decapitate, some, decapitate somebody? Right. As long as we don't have that happening, then yeah, good to go. Right. I think it'd be cool. Um, so outside of Indy, we also got news officially that um, Memphis will be joining in 2019. We knew that we expected that they were coming, but... Um, they broke out some guy named Tim Howard to come help out with that announcement, which is Who? pretty neat. Uh, I don't know. Bald, bald guy with some gloves. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, And then Atlanta um, took a step backwards, honestly, uh, in unveiling their USL squad. um, There was some speculation about what it would end up being called. It ended up being Atlanta United 2, officially branded as ATL UTD, and then the number two. So I don't ever expect to actually type it out that way. But It's horrible. Every time, every time a team does this, it's horrible. They Come on. Brand yeah. yourselves differently. Think better of yourselves. Because every time they, they, these teams do this, I, I just can't help but feel like they don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. it would be – it wouldn't take that much more effort to brand yourself something unique. It really wouldn't. Slap some right. patents on it, get the copyright stuff going, and you're good to go. Like you had to, you had to do the same paperwork for this name. What does this change? It doesn't change anything. Like, give yourself a unique name. Give yourself something to be proud of. Atlanta United Two is, God, another two team. <laughs> At least we'll probably never see them since they're destined to be in the Eastern Conference. Um, but yeah, it's. It's disappointing. The logo is pretty cool. It's got the nail like interwoven with the two going with the whole railroad theme. But yeah, with all the history Atlanta has and all the things that you could draw a name from, like eh, it's kind of disappointing, but another team that brings the total up to, I believe 86 USL teams total. So uh, sounds about right. Exciting stuff. And Based on a tweet from USL President Jake Edwards, we are expecting the schedule to be released uh, this coming week, next week from when we're recording it, um, soon, basically. <laughs> yeah, there was no date given, just next week sometime. Yeah. So there's rumors out there that they are waiting on a potential NASL team to make up their mind. Um, I've heard conflicting things from some different sources around, uh, I was going to say around town, like metaphorically, but that makes it sound like SAFC was the one telling me and they weren't, but yeah, I've heard, (laughs) I've heard from around the the country sources from around the league that um, that may not be the case and that they're just working on the schedule as normal. So we'll see. Um, Hopefully it means they're, and hopefully, hopefully it means they're uh, booking some MLS teams to come play SAFC in the preseason. Yeah, that would be cool. Phoenix uh, announced a few different teams that are coming out there, some MLS teams. And um, yeah, I, I would love to get a preseason schedule. What I'd really love is to get the conference alignment. <laughs> like, yeah. I assume that it's going to be two conferences because we haven't heard otherwise, but there's so many fucking teams in this league that they could easily do a central conference, especially with Indy. And if another NASL team came in, um, what are we at now? 35, 36. Like it's, it's a ridiculous amount of teams to have two conferences. I've said so many fake numbers that I honestly can't remember the real number at this point. It's somewhere (laughs) in the thirties at this point. Yeah. It really is. Um, and, it's frustrating for people who want to um, make away trips. Hey, mobile's working. How are you doing, Michael? Um, it's frustrating for people who want to make away trips, uh, in particular to, like, say, a flashy new franchise in Las Vegas that may be a really fun away trip. I'm just saying. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's frustrating. But um, it is what it is. 
So I really need, I really, really, really need the Las Vegas lights game against SAFC in Vegas to be Labor Day weekend. Cause that's probably when I'm going to be there in September. So schedulers out there, if you can make that happen, that would be great. Pass that up to, to Mr. Edwards there. You've got connections, right? Just for, oh, yeah, forward yeah. it to Tim and then Tim can forward it on <laughs> up the line and maybe they'll make it happen. I don't know. Tim Howard. Yeah. That guy, <laughs> whoever that is. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't think the USL league office um, looks particularly fondly on 210 soccer or by virtue Texas soccer radio. If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't know that for sure. Maybe we'll try and reach out to one of the league office guys and, and see if we can get an interview this year. Uh, <laughs> but we've, we've uh, leaned a little heavily on the Homer side of things and gotten a little overly passionate on Twitter. I guess you could say <laughs> it's, I've got an RGV sucks shirt hanging in my closet. So I, I mean, don't they want engaged fans? We should be the people that they're catering to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever. So speaking of Nashville, like 20 minutes ago, they are going to MLS. Um, still don't know who else is going. So my question to you, Larry, is Sacramento still your favorite to get in or uh, has Cincinnati jumped them or another team jumped both of them? I think if Cincinnati was the favorite now, then we would already have an announcement. I really truly believe that they're waiting right now to see if Sacramento can get their shit together. Because if Sacramento can get it together and get that big flashy investor that they need, then I think Sacramento still gets it. And I don't know how long they're going to be willing to wait. It, from what we've seen, it kind of sounds like they're willing to wait a while. They didn't make it seem like there was going to be an, announce, an announcement impending here anytime soon. I kind of got the vibes that we could be waiting another month or two months or maybe even a little bit longer before they, they give us that second team. I don't, I don't know how you see it. That's, that's just what I'm feeling over here. I just think it's funny because we called this, um, you know, months ago. <laughs> like, there's no way MLS is going to stick to this timetable. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, they didn't. So here we are halfway through January 2018. Um, still waiting to find out who the second MLS expansion side is. So, um, yeah, I, I like your point of if Cincinnati was the favorite, we probably would have already heard it. Um, I know there's some things in the air with Cincinnati, just like Detroit, just like Sacramento. Yeah. It would be real interesting if none of those other three finalists ended up getting in at all. And they ended up saying, you know, we're going to hold off until middle of 2018 and then actually announce it at the end of 2019 or whatever. But Do three teams at that point instead? I don't know. I, I just – you look at – you look at some of the other markets that weren't in those final four. Um, if you take Austin out of it, San Antonio is probably the, the leader just because pretty much everything is in place. Um, but outside of San Antonio, you have um, Phoenix is in a really good spot. San yep. Diego is extremely desirable along with St. Louis. Um, you have several markets outside of that top four and Tampa is, I think Tampa's pretty much ready if I'm not mistaken. Um, and 
are you going to limit yourself to those four just because you said that's what you were going to do initially? So I, I do think it'll probably end up being Sacramento or Cincinnati, but it's definitely interesting to think about if they go outside of that top, top three remaining. I think it's possible. I mean, that, oh, Jesus, I hadn't even really thought about them doing that. But, I mean, they can't stick to a timeline. Why would they stick to their three, four teams that they named for as finalists? It's definitely possible. They could just jump right outside the box and start picking other teams. The other thing, if they wanted to try and save some face with the whole Columbus crew, save the crew thing, um, they could. <laughs> now, I say that they would piss off three other fan bases by doing this, but they could leave Columbus where it's at and sell it to local investors and give Anthony Precourt a expansion franchise um, in Austin. But by doing that, you'd be pissing off San Antonio and Cincinnati and Sacramento and Detroit. So maybe that's not the best idea. If you just take the market that you've already burned with Columbus, but I, I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. This whole process is a mess. And I, I, I don't know the, there's, I mean, we've talked about we talked about it last week. I think it was last week with Miami too. Like that slot could be up for grabs. I still don't think Miami's going to happen. Um, there has been a little bit of Austin chatter this week. I know it's not on our docket to talk about today, but there's been some 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 chatter about council people not being on board. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> and there being some big concerns from the council members about their them actually getting the the push from the people living in Austin to support support parkland getting taken away. So, you know, it's it's been quiet the last few weeks since that last meeting, but there seems to be a little bit more grumblings going on now. And there's also, if I'm not mistaken, there's someone running uh, in the mayoral race that opposes using parkland for private stadiums or for soccer stadiums, basically. So... Um, it's interesting. I'd like to get one of our Austin friends back on the show to talk about that. Hopefully in the next couple of weeks as things maybe become more clear on what's going on, but yeah, it, it's not, it's not a done deal in Austin, I guess, technically, but I would still be pretty surprised if it didn't get done just because there's so many options. Um, yeah. I, I really think it's going to come down to, are they going to get option A or option C? Um, but there, there's, I do think it's going to get done, unfortunately, for San Antonio. You're probably right. You're, you're honestly, you're probably right. I just don't know how or when. And if, you know, they can start turning other council members against it, the ones that are already on uh, off board of the process. Yeah. You know, this could go south real quick, especially yeah. if, yeah, I don't know. Depending on how this plan comes together, maybe we try to get some another Austin, Austin friend on, We've got that meeting coming up the first week of February-ish. I know we're going to be getting close to the season starting, but it was supposed to be after February 1st, that council meeting where they're going to present all the the options. So we may get a little bit more clarity at that point. Yeah, I... It's tough, man. It's really tough. Like we've seen city governments derail MLS bids already in um, St. Louis and San Diego. I don't think that's going to happen in Austin again, just because there are so many options, but um, it could definitely get complicated, but we'll see. I don't want to go down the Austin road. Not tonight. Too late. So, we're, yeah, here. we're in Buda. We're, <laughs> we're almost to Austin. Jesus. Um, no, I, yeah. Um, 
we will we'll keep an eye on Austin just like we are already. We're just trying to not rant on it every single week because right. we haven't gotten any new info. So, but it is definitely on our radar. Um, let's talk real briefly before we get to the Carson Merck interview and the end of our show um, about some national team news. Real briefly, um, FC Dallas pulled the card of not releasing any players for the U.S. men's national team January camp, um, which I don't blame them for at all. Um, It's it's something that they took a little slack for, but this camp is meaningless. Like they don't have a head coach. The presidency race is right in the heat of it all. Um, You don't know what the long-term plan for the national team is. And um, I I don't blame them knowing that they have CONCACAF Champions League coming up and MLS preseason coming up. So good for FC Dallas, honestly. Like if – Pulisic isn't there and Weston McKinney isn't there, then there's no reason to send Kellen Acosta and any of our other basically guaranteed starters at this point, especially if they have important club matches. Right. Yeah, they've got an MLS season to prep for. And since it's meaningless, yeah, I don't blame them for not for refusing to send players. It's it's I, I've been saying it. This is the time to start looking at that new round, that next well, what, jumping ahead a little bit here, that next uh, new cycle, soft launch yeah. of the new cycle of players that are going to be coming in for that next World Cup. And I mean, I'd rather FC Dallas hold on to their players and give some some new faces that we haven't seen before, you know, an opportunity to get through a camp for once um, and get a look at some new players coming up. Even though I feel like it's a, almost meaningless because we don't have a new coach. So they may not see things the way our current interim staff sees it down the road. It's just so hard when there's no like long-term vision for the program right now. Um, Like it's hard to get excited about anything. The, the January camp was referred to in a SI.com article as the soft launch of a new cycle, new world cup cycle. And it is technically, but it doesn't feel like it. I don't think it'll feel like it until the, next federation president is in place and the next permanent head coach is in place uh, and we we get just a little more permanence in the program uh probably won't feel like it until after the world cup is over um just because like you're just gonna constantly be focused on well fuck we didn't make the world cup (laughs) like Uh, I mean, and and, and you mentioned there's no vision right now, no long-term vision. And that that long-term, lack of long-term vision, rather, um, probably cost us a really good player. Uh, There's news this week that Jonathan Gonzalez, sounds like he made the final choice to ask FIFA for a one-time exception to join the Mexican national team over staying here for the United States national team. And yeah. that's that's a big loss for the long term development of that of our team, our national team. He'd be a big piece. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. He went from some of the best defensive midfield pairings that you could have with Kellen Acosta or Weston McKinney and uh, Jonathan Gonzalez to losing one of those three right off the bat, yeah. and that fucking sucks, man. And. and I want to plug real quick on, on 210soccer.com. Um, Jose Mario Jimenez, one of our staff writers, senior staff writers, um, wrote a really good piece because he himself is a dual national as well. So he had kind of an interesting perspective on that whole situation. Um, you can check that piece out at 210soccer.com. 
Um, but yeah, I, without going on a whole rant and making this a political podcast, like you don't have to be just Mexican. You don't have to be just American. Like a lot of people are both. And, um, it sucks that kind of the whole, like, you're not American enough mentality has crept its way into sports through national teams. Like I, I fucking hate the nationalism that comes with national teams like uh i've been thinking about it a lot with the olympics coming up it's one thing to be proud of your country to see what your fellow americans or fellow mexicans or fellow whatever um nation can do in a sporting event but to twist it into a negative of you know if you're not with us you're you know why are you even in the country type stuff like fuck that (laughs) fuck that so hard um so uh, yeah i don't want to get on even longer of a rant but um from a soccer perspective it sucks it sucks wholeheartedly um as a person like if that's what he felt he needed to do then you know more power to him but it didn't seem like that's what it was given he played in the youth squads all the way up in the united states but it it really feels like it's just a lack of vision and a lack of long-term stability with our men's national team we don't have a coach we don't have a really good look at what our lineup's going to be like we're not going to the world cup this year (laughs) i mean i i I don't blame him for wanting to go down and play for mexico instead and have that opportunity to go to that world cup stage and, and and make a showing there for his other home country yeah I really wonder how much it would have changed things if we would have made the World Cup this year because um, if we did, Bruce Arena probably would have still been around and Jonathan Gonzalez probably wouldn't have been called up for the World Cup squad um, just based on what we've seen in qualifiers. So, like, uh, it's a big what if, but, you know, it is what it is. Speaking of Weston McKinney, um, just one quick note that I found interesting, uh, again, on SI.com. Weston McKinney, who is primarily a defensive midfielder, is um, training and playing in friendlies at center back for his German club, Schalke, um, which is super interesting. I don't think we are short center backs at the moment, but having a young player that can flex between those two, it's kind of feels like you know another Jeff Cameron or or something like that where you have a very versatile guy and a guy who is setting himself up to be able to play longer into his career potentially by shifting back into that center back slot and you know maybe taking it a little bit easier on his legs but uh, just kind of an interesting little note I think Um, I I still see him as a defensive midfielder for for the national team side of things it makes sense from what I was reading out in Schalke that, you know, they're, they're crowded at that position. They want to get him on the field. They know he's got talent. And if this is the way to do it and he can pick it up, then power to him. It only makes him more versatile down the road, more positions he can play competently, the better. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was all I had for the national team. Was that pretty much it for our rundown other than Twitter and the interview? Yeah, I, did you did you want to say anything about Costa Rica? Not really. I I put that on there, but I feel like it had been kind of talked about already. Um, there was some news early in the week about Kyle Martino and some comments that Soccer United Marketing and the Federation put the U.S. qualifier um, at Red Bull Arena, knowing that 
the Costa Rican fan base would come out strong in that particular venue. Um, and it sort of, some of the comments came off with some racial overtones and with some very accusatory overtones towards the Federation, which have since been refuted. Um, And I guess the big thing that that discussion spawned into was like, there were some people calling for us national team games to only be played in you know, Columbus and Minnesota, like places where you were going to get less of a um, foreign fan base for lack of a better word, other national team fan base. I shouldn't even say foreign because that's my point is that there's a lot of American citizens that are Costa Rican fans. There's a lot of American citizens that are Mexican fans. Like you have to play better football. Like, fucking stop blaming everyone else for the federation's problems and for the national team problem play better do better on the field and you'll have more american support more american team support um again (laughs) there are a lot of american citizens who like those other teams Uh, yes there are if the u.s men's national team was better you wouldn't have to fucking worry about that so much but that's (laughs) come down off the soapbox it's okay it'll be all right It'll be okay. No, I think that's it. Other than Twitter questions, I I did. Did we have any? I didn't see any. Yeah. So Aaron Reet writes in um, with USL expansion. Do you think they'll eventually turn heel and challenge MLS for division one sanctioning? Um, They should have a solid pyramid, meaning USL having a solid pyramid. So I've ranted enough. I'll let you uh, kick off that question. Do you think USL challenges MLS with their own pyramid, knowing that they've got the D3 under them coming in soon? We can't even get a solid call on whether we're D2 at this point. So right now, no. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's, there's too much money involved at the MLS level that's not there with the USL teams yet. Um, I think if it did happen, we are light years away from it happening. Ten years, ten years down the road, maybe. Maybe longer than that it could happen. Um, it could definitely depend on who becomes USSF president. And if they want to go the pro rail route, that could make it a little bit easier to get there potentially. But yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening, at least not anytime soon. I, there'll, I there'll be a hundred teams in USL before it happens. <laughs> it might just swallow it up by design. Like there, there may be expansion teams into so many MLS cities that, you know, it, it just swallows MLS unintentionally. Um, but I agree with you. I don't think it'll ever be a conscious effort to try and dethrone MLS or anything like that. Um, only because <clears throat> we've seen where that got NASL and we've seen where that got American club soccer and it's not good for anyone. So it, do we honestly think that all these MLS teams that have two teams are going to let it happen either? Like it, right. There's yeah. too there's too many connections between MLS and USL already that I'd see it more likely as a merging of the two leagues into one monstrous super league before I'd see USL challenge to have two division 1 pyramids going on in the United States. I mean, we can yeah. we can barely hold it together how we are now and figure out our pyramid, <laughs> let alone complicating it with a dual, dual leagues at the top of it. Right. I want to say that you have enough money and enough uh, investment in TV contracts and everything else that 
we're done with the hashtag soccer wars for a little while, at least a little bit between those yeah. two leagues. We'll see what happens with an ASL and an ISA and some of these other leagues. But I think the mainstream North American soccer has become MLS, USL, and then eventually USL D3 and everything else that kind of have to fit in there outside of it. Um, NASL just needs to die already. Like how are you four teams? Fourteen. Yeah. That's that's where we're at. How you? Everybody gets a playoff spot, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really like no season. All playoffs, double. I don't know. Yeah, like it's not even like they're a regional league. Like they're spread out all across the country, yeah. and I I feel so bad for those players that are still under contract. If there are any players that are still under contract, I feel so bad for any staff that's counting on those jobs it's a horrible fucking situation, but like you got to see the writing on the wall where if you're not cosmos, you should jump in with USL or with one of the lower leagues. Um, and if you're cosmos, you've just been an asshole to everybody for 30 years and it's yep. time to see where that gets you. <laughs> but It's going to get you to the USL is where it's going to get you. Dude, I don't think the USL would have the cosmos. The, the cosmos have and a lot of their fan base it's so toxic like you're right it's got to be the most toxic club in north america because at least like detroit city fans are super passionate but they just kind of don't give a fuck about anybody but themselves like from what i've seen they're not out there attacking other teams or on twitter and stuff um wait i i have the solution the Cosmos have uh, the Cosmos are the NASL. <laughs> they fa- they field two teams that are both Cosmos teams, Cosmos one and Cosmos two. They play each other sixteen times, and then they all get crowned the champion. And then the Cosmos fans are happy because they win every year, all the time. <laughs> no matter who who loses, they win. <laughs> Not a soccer league. NASL, not oh. a soccer league. I just came up with that. Oh. Thank you, Conservesa. Um, <laughs> Ryan writes in, uh, which will happen first? SAFC tops the league in goals scored or SAFC plays a home match during Fiesta? Those, those are two like unintentional, not unintentional. Those are two low-key digs. Um, yeah, I... Uh-huh. Do you ever see I don't I don't ever see SAFC being like a high powered attacking first It's, it's got to be Fiesta. It's got to be Fiesta. That would be interesting. <laughs> I I'm, think I would watch that one from home, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> the question I mean the real question with that is I don't I I think a, a game during Fiesta is likely, but wouldn't that I feel like it would just kill attendance. Yeah, I, well, I think that's why they don't do it. Like, uh, I maybe we'll ask about that when the schedule comes out this year. See if there's any games during Fiesta. But like, I, what I would feel like that's why it's never happened before? What would you have to do? To, you'd have to serve chicken on a stick for a dollar and have dollar beer night all at the same time, like oh, to get people out man. there. I would drive my ass out for chicken on a stick. I forgot about that. That would be pretty dope. Although you know, it'd be cool if if the soccer team did some sort of Fiesta event. That would be neat. I'd be down for that. Yeah, they had the medal last year. Um, yeah, something bigger but, than that, though. Yeah. 
there's there's like a million fiesta parades you'd think that they could do a parade like around the stadium or like through morgan's wonderland and then into the stadium or something right like make that an official fiesta event yeah let's do it God, let's pitch the idea I'm, pitch the I'm idea have tremendous ideas tonight so it's probably time that we play the interview for those listening to the audio yes. podcast um, Carson Merck joined us for this interview and I really appreciate it because we've been trying to get with Carson um, for the last two years and just schedules have never worked out to where we could, unfortunately. But um, super nice guy, amazing Twitter follow uh, and a really great source of soccer content. If you check out his sites, we have those linked in the description of the podcast, in the audio version. Um, so check that out. Otherwise, if you're listening to the Periscope version of the show, I think this is where we leave you. Um, Thursday nights, if uh, if you weren't with us this week, Thursday nights, 10 p.m., we go live on Periscope at TX Soccer Radio, and we have a lot of fun, and we just kind of mess around. So if you want to join the fun, if you want to get your questions, comments, topics, thoughts, anything in there uh, live as we go, Periscope's the way to do it. Thursday nights, 10 p.m. Central. So. We're joined now with Carson Merck, someone we've been meaning to get on the podcast for a while now. I'm pretty excited to get to chat with you and get you down on the pod here. Carson, how are you doing tonight? Not too bad, man. I'm happy to, to finally make an appearance. I think we've been talking about this for like two years at this point because um, you, of course, cover RGVFC, San Antonio FC's biggest rival, the, the in-state rival. So we've uh, been meaning to get your perspective on that. And uh, what better time to do it than when one of RGV's uh, most notable players has taken his talents north uh, to San Antonio. So excited to make this happen um let's let's start with jose escalante uh kind of want to get your take on um what kind of player you've seen escalante be over the last couple years and uh uh, just kind of your general thoughts on him as a player for rgv uh, over the last few years yeah and first thing i want to start out before i forget as a person um, I actually talked to Jose today, and I want to congratulate him and his wife, uh, Marseille, on their first kid. Oh, they nice. had a son. Just, yeah, over the past couple of days, so that's um, definitely exciting times. They're, they're both great people, so I'm super happy for them. As far as um, going into as a player, um, he's definitely one of those guys that is a lot of action on the wing. Um, you see some of those guys in the USL that can really – um, he can really change the game when he's on his, you know, his A game. Um, pretty good pace. He's not, you know, blinding fast, but he's he's quick enough, um, good on the ball. I would say he's he's tricky as far as shooting. He had a couple, including the one against San Antonio, that was um, kind of like, was it maybe a chip? Was it maybe a cross that went in? Uh, he had a couple of those this year, so he's uh, he's definitely creative when he needs to be. But he's he's a passionate player again, as you saw him in the two. Um, San Antonio matches towards the end of last season. So um, as long as he's able to control, you know, the passion and, and don't let it kind of consume him, uh, definitely an exciting player and definitely a really good player. 
Yeah, I in the article I wrote for com, I kind of tried to balance those two themes as best I could because um, he's definitely, um, you know, it seems like he has a lot of passion and really cares about the game. Um, but, uh, you know, we've seen uh, maybe the, the worst side of that possible before. But um, I, I definitely don't hold that against him as a player. Like you, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing you wouldn't categorize him as a dirty player, right? No, I definitely wouldn't. He, he Like you said, it's always a balance in sports of, you know, having passion, being, you know, a dedicated kind of fiery player. It, it's always, you know, you're always kind of right there on the edge of, you know, one thing could kind of spark you over or, you know, it could be you know just having a bad day, you know, whatever the heck it is. Um, but no, I definitely would not call him a dirty player. I would call him a, a passionate player that, you know, sometimes that passion kind of, you know, maybe it goes a little bit over the edge, but I mean, nothing, nothing too crazy. We've seen worse in the USL over the last couple of years. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I try not to call, call the guys out too specifically, but over the last two years, we've had a San Antonio FC or pun, uh, San Antonio FC player punch someone and get suspended for a while. And, you know, there's, it's not uh, exclusive to teams outside of San Antonio is how I'll phrase it. So i I'm excited to see him in the black and silver this, uh, this spring. Uh, I, I think he's a great addition from everything you've said and everything we've seen over the last few years, especially with Billy Forbes out there on the left wing, um, taking his talents out to Phoenix to, to play with Drogba. So uh, it sounds like a good fit from everything you said. I, I was curious if you had any insight on why it didn't work out with Houston Dynamo uh, since he was, technically on loan with Houston, um, from my understanding. Do you know what happened there? Was was it just a crowded position or, or kind of take us through that a little bit if you can? Yeah, it was interesting. So he was with Houston two years ago and with RGV as well. And then obviously last year was with Houston. Um, two years ago, I would say, yeah, he can probably, you know, find a spot there on the wing. Um, but in that case, it was managerial it was you know kind of up in the air with Wilmer coming in um this season you also had the addition of Albert Luis and Romel Kyoto so um then I would probably tell you probably not a spot for him to you know compete as far as um a starter um you could always you know he, he's definitely rotation level in MLS at this point um he's still young and he's being on loan from Olympia um, I just don't think it made sense for him to stay with Houston if he's just going to be, you know, kind of a, a fringe rotation player in random matches and then kind of get loaned down from time to time to RGV. Um, it just seemed like the best move um, to go to a team where he can, you know, get consistent minutes. Like you said, with Forbes leaving, I know, like I said, I spoke to Jose today. And I know he's excited um, to, to get down there to, to San Antonio and um, really showcase that, you know, he was a little bit up and down last year. I think he'll be the first to say that. So I think he he's looking forward to next season to be able to you know show he's he's a can be a dominant player consistently rather than just kind of in spurts. Now, obviously, we kind of met on Twitter because you wrote about RGV for uh, Dynamo Theory, but you, uh, unless this has changed since the last time we talked, you're based in Las Vegas. Uh, is that correct? Still. Yep. Yeah, still correct. It, back in uh, Las Vegas, I was I was back in my home of Ohio for a couple weeks over the holidays. But yeah, back here in Vegas and still still with Dynamo Theory. And then 
um, yeah, now covering the lights for, for switching play soccer, my own site. Yeah. So I, I definitely want you to be able to plug everywhere where you are, because like a lot of us USL guys, you're kind of all over the place in multiple places, um, which is cool. But I, I wanted to talk about Las Vegas because it's a team that uh, I've been gushing over for the last couple of weeks. I um, have just been totally enamored with everything that that franchise has done. And from the outside looking in, a lot of the stuff they're doing seems like, quote unquote, so Vegas. Like, is that kind of the take that you're getting as someone who actually lives there and knows the community? Or is it coming off as cheesy or authentic? Or can you kind of give us some insight about the lights out there? No, it's definitely coming off um, well. I would say there could be opportunities to be cheesy. Um, I, I think you can be cheesy in anything, but being trying to be too Vegas um, definitely could have come off as cheesy, but I think they've done it well um, as far as balancing, you know, being cheesy and being, you know, being cool. Um, I would say it's more cool than anything. Um, some teams, obviously, we have, you know, the Golden Knights here now, um, number one in the Western Conference. So shout out to the Knights. <laughs> um, and they're, you know, they're Vegas, but they're not like Vegas, Vegas, like the lights are. They really embrace the city. Um, obviously, bringing Chalice in as the manager, you're, you're really, you're saying, okay, we're Las Vegas. We're going to embrace that rather than, you know, throughout the past, it's kind of been a almost taboo of, yeah, you know, we're Vegas, but do we really want to embrace fully like the craziness that Vegas is? Um, so yeah, they've, they've done a great job. It's exciting. Um, tons of people are excited. They're probably the person that's most excited is their owner, um, Brent Lashbrook. He's been, as people in soccer are kind of all over the place with soccer. He was helped start up Orlando city. Um, he's worked in the USL. He's, he's just worked all over the place. If you talk to him for five minutes, um, you're sold. I talked to him a couple months back and he was kind of giving me the rundown on everything. And I was like, dude, I was already on board with what you were doing here, but <laughs> now I'm 110% on board. He's, um, he's just a super energetic guy and he really knows how to make it work. So it looks like uh, it's going to be exciting. And then again, um, for, you know, primary soccer fans, we, we know what good soccer is for the casual fan, which obviously you're trying to get out to a match as well. Um, they have promised a very attack friendly style, which, you know, the casual soccer fan doesn't want to go and see a really, you know, strategic nil, nil draw. Um, they would love to go see like a seven Oh win or, you know, four, <laughs> three, just, you know, really crazy goal scoring numbers. So I think the fact that, um, they're willing to say, okay, we're going to go forward. And then, like I said, with Chalice being the manager, he's he's a crazy guy. So it uh, should be very entertaining at the least. I I do not claim to know Vegas at all because I really haven't gone off the strip other than to visit a specific type of shop that I couldn't find on the strip. Um, but when I was there pretty recently, I feel like I couldn't walk two feet without seeing Golden Knights merch, um, like just everywhere, which is really cool. Um, and so one of the criticisms that I've heard a lot about Las Vegas is they're not even a sports town. But are you kind of getting that vibe now that you have the hockey team, you're getting the soccer team, and of course the NFL team uh, next year? Yeah, and then actually also a WNBA team, which I, I would not lie to you at all i'll all right. probably never go to a game but they're gonna be here too um actually, actually from san antonio. san antonio yeah <laughs> yeah 
Um, I would say it, it definitely has the feel of more of a sports town. And then being from myself from Northeast Ohio, I grew up in that. So, you know, Cass Browns, Indians, um, with the lights, I think they're, they're definitely obviously a sports team, but what they're also trying to embrace when people go to Vegas, nine times out of 10, when I ask them what they're doing, they mention going to a show, um, whether it's, you know, the Michael Jackson show, whatever it is. Right. So I think the lights are really trying to do that. They're like, Hey, not only are we a sports team going to be a show, we're going to have, you know, fun entertainment at the games. Um, the colors are great. The logo is great. It's very, you know, unique, very Vegas, like you said. So i um, definitely feeling like a sports town and they're definitely kind of embracing the, you know, entertainment side of things as well. And Carson, I want to make sure that people know where to find you and where to find your work. So obviously I know you were with Dynamo Theory covering RGV, uh, are you still going to be doing that this year with Las Vegas coming in or where are you going to be in 2018 where people can find you? Yeah, I'm definitely going to still be with my, uh, my RGV guys. So Dynamo theory, uh, the bull that's horns um, once a week, usually on Wednesdays, I'll put out an article in case something, you know, crazy happens or I have a special feature of an interview or something. And then um, switching place, soccer.com. Um, like I said, my own site, um, that site is kind of twofold. It's going to obviously cover the lights directly. And then also outside of that, um, I've always been a person that's interested in, you know, sports, but also the people outside of sports. So I try to get some interesting angles um, on player features. So that is players all over the USL. I've had, um, you know, the opportunity to talk to a lot of those guys and hear some of their backstories and um, some, learn some real interesting stuff. So that's almost, you know, soccer, you know, related or adjacent, but. Uh, yeah, so you can catch me switch and play soccer and then uh, Dynamo Theory for almost three years and now, four years now. I'm getting old. <laughs> and of course, on Twitter at Carson A. Merck, M-E-R-K. And we'll have links to all of those sites uh, in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever, just scroll down to the description of the episode and you'll be able to click to go to those sites. Um, but Carson, thanks for, for joining us, man. Hopefully this isn't the only time this year we get to chat. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's no, like, it's not. Too, too quick. <laughs> no, yeah, it sounds good. I'm definitely looking forward to the season getting started and, um, and probably a different expansion team being announced every couple of days. It's pretty pretty intense. Uh, I'm actually also looking forward to I've had a couple of USL riders. Uh, like you said, we have a pretty tight-knit group and had a couple of them reach out like hey dude i'm definitely coming to vegas this year for a match so uh yeah everyone is welcome uh, we can we can definitely catch a match and then, then get some food afterwards and talk usl i mean there's there's a solid chance that i may make it out to the match this year uh larry my co-host and i have genuinely been talking about going out there just you know city's so much fun and you know have to grab soccer out there if it's available right it's yeah no, no doubt about it well, Carson, thanks again, man, and we will uh, chat with you real soon. No doubt, Kyle. Have a good one, man. So that'll pretty much do it for us this week. Uh, again, thank you so, so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, thank you again to Carson Merck for coming on. Uh, you'll find links to his sites and his Twitter profile in the description of the podcast. Thank you, Larry, for once again, uh, hopping on here like we do every week. Have a blast with him. You can follow us on social media at TX Soccer Radio. And at TX Soccer Radio, it is a different account 
from the uh, old Pitch Black account. So if you're not following us, hop on there. We're going to do some giveaways and some exclusive stuff, so don't miss out. Um, you can also follow our personal accounts at Kyle underscore Mankey and at LarryLeathers87 on Twitter. Uh, music, as always, is provided by Mission Complete. You can check them out anywhere music's available digitally. The album is called Emotionally Strong Enough to Be Your Man. Um, and there may or may not be new music on the way from them in the not too distant future. So, pretty stoked about that. But again, thank you so, so much for listening. We will catch you next week. <laughs>